Women Taking the Lead, Episode 34. If you make a mistake, learn from it, dissect it, and move on. Do not dwell on it. So many people, they they dwell on it and they don't let it go. You have to let it go because we're human. We make mistakes. Hello, my name is Jody Flynn, and welcome to Women Taking the Lead, where we are all about creating blasts of inspiration to help you overcome self-doubt so you can lead with confidence, integrity, and a sense of humor. This episode is sponsored by Luma Coaching. Want some support to get your dreams off the ground? Go to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. Now, your future awaits, so let's get started. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining us today. I'm here with Luann Cameron, who is a successful small business owner in Standish, Maine. Before becoming a business owner, she implemented three frontline operational service centers for three Fortune 500 companies, taking them from startup to high-functioning businesses. Her specialties are strategic leadership, developing a team, relationship management, motivational speaking, and integrating a diverse work group. Luann believes in planning on living life to 110 years young and giving 110% to everything she does. Okay, Luann, that's only a little intro for everyone. So tell us more about you and your humble beginnings. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you for this opportunity just to share a little bit of who I am and what makes me tick. Um, I do think it's important to sort of understand my background and sort of you're hearing a little bit about this 110 and living to 110, who who plans to live to 110, where really um, has started when I was born and raised in Vermont. Um, my lived in sort of a beaver cleaver family. Dad worked for IBM. My mom was beautiful. She won all these awards for her cooking and home act. So we sort of had the envious little uh, lifestyle when I was a little girl living in Vermont. And then my whole world changed when I was 11 years old. Day after Christmas, my mom told me that she was uh, divorcing my dad. And fast forward a couple uh, months, then it was, then I learned that actually my mom was having an affair with my dad's best friend. So as you can imagine, it just gives you a little glimmer of how my sort of world collapsed. The divorce was, I would say, messy, <laughs> to keep it as simple as possible, but it definitely took over and consumed my young adulthood, um, my years from 11 to 18, through the high school years. I was just consumed by sort of, de- you know, surviving the divorce um, without sharing a lot of details. And so through that, while well, you're supposed to be focused on your sort of studies a little bit, at least in high school, uh, I really um, did not perform at all in high school. I really uh, struggled with learning. I uh, flunked out of uh, a few courses. I struggled to get C's um, in school, and I definitely could not test So I really was developing, little did I know, this sort of scar of lack of confidence in my smarts. Uh, So life uh, ticks on. Now it's time to go off to uh, college. So I went to a small state school in London State, and then I went to USM. And why was that? USM, University of Southern Maine here in Portland, coming from Vermont. Um, I had no confidence, again, in my smarts. And 
when I came to Portland, sort of funny story, uh, the city seemed so big coming from Vermont. I was like, there's no way I can do this. So I ended up going to a small state school, which was probably um, the best thing I could have done because it was a stepping stone. And at that moment is when I realized when I went to Linden State College that when I got rid of some of the drama in my life, I realized that all of that drama had turned me into this pretty in unique individual. It gave me tremendous strength. I learned that I really learned how to make the lemonade from looking back at that, the drama in my life. So uh, I took those learnings and how to make sort of the lemonade uh, from lemons. And uh, I learned some pivotal things were that I just had to work harder than everybody else. And I had to be more focused. So I went to USM. Fast forward, uh, USM graduated there, met my soulmate, my husband. I've been married now, whoa, 28, coming on 28 years. And I've been with JP for 32 years. We have two grown sons, both very successful. Uh, So my leadership technique, or I call it my Leadership methodology clearly works because I've applied it to both of my sons. Both of my sons won their Leadership Educational Institution Award. My youngest won that in his senior year from Shepherds High School. My oldest, graduating from University of Toronto, won his leadership there in his senior year. Nice. Oh, Luann, that's so great. My goodness, what a background story to go from not believing in yourself and your own smarts. And when you said that, Luann, I, I had an emotional reaction. I've been there before. You know, when when you're smart, but you don't recognize yourself or you don't believe it, you know, because there's all this evidence against you um, or that you've racked up. But you clearly gained success in your life and confidence, you know, turning, you know, three Fortune 500 companies, taking them from startup to super success. I mean, that's incredible. And I can hear in your voice, you're not in that same place anymore. You have a lot of confidence. Now, take us back to another time when you were playing small and you may not have been aware of it at the time. Share with us the story and the lessons you learned from that. A couple, um, I would say. Um, as far as, you know, how do you turn things around? How do you actually do that? And what I learned at that early age is when my parents got divorced, I said to myself, this will not happen to me, this saga, I will not do this to my family. So I had a vision, I had a very clear vision of this family that I wanted to create. And that's how I learned the power of a vision. When I met my husband, you know, leading up to that, I dated with a mission, it was very clear, I knew the type of person that was going to work well with me. And that's what I looked for. So having a vision of where you're going in life. So when I do these startup operations, It's the same thing. You apply the same technique. You have to have a vision. So why the 110? Again, I'm living my life with a vision and a mission. The 110 philosophy is about having a vision of living to 110. Now, whether I make it to living to 110 years old, that's sort of irrelevant. It's really about having a vision where, what I want to look like, what I want to do, how much money I have in the bank, what's my lifestyle going to look like. And it's about the mission to get there. So every day 
I need to make the right decisions to the best of my ability. And if I make a mistake today, I get back on the horse tomorrow. But it's having that vision to get you through the challenges of every day and knowing where you're going. So what I'm hearing in that was, or actually I should ask is, where was the playing small moment in there? I think the playing small moment, it went, was thinking that I had no confidence to be able to be successful. Because remember, both my, at a young age, both my parents were successful in their own way. So how was I going to um, become successful? And when I saw the power of what that vision did for me, that was the aha moment to say, you know what? I have something here. But being very clear on my vision, being very clear on my goals and what I want out of life, is a powerful thing. And I learned, you know, geez, if I have a goal and I write down my goals, those goals come much higher probability that those goals are going to come true. Got it. So what you were, what you're saying is, um, kind of the playing small you were experience moment you were experiencing was looking at how your parents did their marriage, believing that that was potentially going to be your future. But by creating a different future for yourself and committing to it, you were able to start moving towards that and creating something really great in your life. And then you then applied that to other areas of your life, like in your, in your work. Absolutely. In your health. Okay. Got it. Okay. Thank you for explaining that for me. Now share with us a time in your journey when you had a wake up call. Take us back to that moment and share with us the steps that you took that led to your success. So, uh, so I've been leading people now almost 25, 26 years. When I was in my first supervisor position, I had a uh, clerical uh, staff who was re- accountable for the mailroom. And it was at the point that I wasn't sure about how much information to share with them. And I was like, I knew that certain information was helpful in my own development. For example, should I share with my team? Because let me back up a little bit. The reason I decided to take, there's two leadership positions open. One was uh, to run the clerical staff and one was much more prestigious. It was to lead a group of claim managers. However, I stepped back again, looking at where I wanted to go in life. And I said to myself, you know what? I believe the more marketable position would be leading the staff of clerical, because then I could go anywhere with that experience versus this sort of niche of claim management. Mm -hmm. So I learned how important it is to keep yourself marketable inside and outside of the company. So with my team, with the supervisor of the clerical staff, I started to share with them my own practices and about how important it was to keep yourself marketable inside and outside the company. And for me at the time, I felt it was really risky. But what I learned by sharing my knowledge, by keeping my team marketable inside and outside the company and truly investing in my employees as an asset versus an expense, the reward and the investment on that was tenfold. The team was highly energized. 
they no longer sort of felt trapped of staying with the company because they knew if they kept their self themselves marketable inside and outside of the company at any moment they could leave it was their decision every day to come work for for me and the company versus feeling trapped so for me learning the power of sharing your knowledge with your employees teaching your employees you know or i would say treating your employees is like an asset versus an expense. And I think a lot of young leaders today and experienced leaders uh, in the pressure of the financial corporations today really are treating their employees like an expense versus an asset. Mm, and I love how your answer tied back to your playing small moment as well, because if you didn't have a vision of where you wanted to go, it would have probably made more sense to take the prestigious position because that's what most people go for when they don't see a long-term goal. It's more like, how do I make more money? How do I get a, a better role? How do I get a better title? But because you had this vision of where you wanted to go, you knew that wasn't the right way, the right choice for you. And it kept you marketable so that you could get to your goal. And I love that you made a point to share it with the, pe the people on your team, because when you do stuff like that, when you pass on your knowledge and your wisdom and your experience to those you're leading, they have more loyalty and trust for you. And they want you to succeed Absolutely. as well, because it is more of a team environment rather than I'm in charge and you're following. So I love that, Luann. And what I want everyone to get is there's no one way to lead. We're all different and we're going to lead differently. So Luann, how would you describe your leadership style? Unique. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I really, it really is stemmed off of sharing my vision, being very positive and sharing who you are, not being confident in who I am, so confident that I share maybe the not-so-perfect side as well because I think it helps make me more approachable. I really, I really, I really sincerely treat my employees like they're, they're my most precious asset and they feel that. And I think that does make me unique. I, I really try to create a culture that really builds a sort of a, a pride of an owner, that they own it too. My name might be on the door, but that's just a marketing <laughs> need, really, that they really own where we're going. They have buy-in, so they're fully uh, empowered and engaged. Uh, I I have consistently always implemented what I call an office creed. And it's a very simple concept. Uh, again, my 110 philosophy is about the 110, having that vision, the 110 being 110% engaged. So what is philosophy? Philosophy is about structure and discipline. And I think it's critical that you have to have structure and discipline in everything that you do from a personal perspective. You hear that on you know, sort of how uh, I had that strategy and discipline on, you know, uh, on my raising my family and uh, the same thing within my organization and my own career being disciplined and structured of where I was going, you know, following that vision. 
So, um, so what is the office creed? The office creed is uh, a very simple exercise of sitting down your team uh, for it takes about literally it takes about 15 minutes and you have them do a visual exercise about what it is that they want their office culture to be. So, you know, assuming that your team is going to be with you hopefully five to 10 years, what does that environment, that visual feel like of the the working environment for them to bounce out of bed, to come to work? What does that look like? What are the characteristics of that? And so you have your team take, you know, close their eyes, do that visual and, you know, um, you give them really only about five minutes because it should be just, you know, the, the very top. You should come right to mind. And you shouldn't have to overthink it. So they all write out their, uh, you know, three or four different characteristics. You compile the list. You talk about, you know, what are their top, you know, maybe five to ten as an office that you're going to have as your office culture that these things, these characteristics are important and critical to the success of the office culture. So great, you go through that exercise, you type it up on a piece of paper, you sort of define what each one of those characteristics means to the team. So great. But the most important thing is you just don't leave the piece of paper there. You have to build consequences, positive and negative consequences about keeping the office create alive. And so what I do, uh, because it's very simple, we have a grab bag. Whenever you see somebody keeping the office creed alive, you give them a grab bag. Yeah, when the office creed is really working, it's when, and I just had this example in my team staff a couple weeks ago. We had some muck around, you know, the the environment was changing because roles were developing because the people were getting stronger. My team was getting stronger and stronger in their knowledge. So that was shifting some accountabilities and roles, which created some muck because roles were a little blurred. And so we were, we talked about an item and then one of uh, the people on my team spoke up and he felt comfortable about speaking up because it, what he spoke up about was something that was on the office creed that he felt was sort of like in violation. And so we had an awesome discussion. I made it a safe environment and then the whole team received a grab bag after the staff meeting because we, we created an open and honest environment. That's awesome. Luann, I was thinking as you were talking and describing the creed, I was like, mm, creeds are awesome if you live them, mm-hmm. right? They, I mean, right. a piece of paper stuck to a wall, it actually can have a ne- negative effect if we're not living by it because it's a reminder to us that that we're not standing by our words, but reinforcing, especially I, um, I love the concept of catch people doing good things you know, catch people doing the right thing and reward them for it. I think that's so, it's anti to how I grew up, yeah. <laughs> you know, when I was first starting yeah. working and going, going through corporate and, you know, it's not just corporate, it's everywhere. But I think that the tides are turning and we're realizing people get, um, are much more motivated when, you know, we reinforce the good things that we want them, the, the behaviors that we want to see, the attitudes we want to see. So that's, that's tremendous. And Luann, what is one thing that you're working on right now that you're really excited about? There's actually a, a couple. So uh, what the what you don't know because um, is this winter I uh, survived breast cancer, caught it really really early, and uh, thanks to all those pink ribbons out there, I learned um, the I knew the importance of. Uh, early awareness, and I caught it in a routine mammogram. So 
I have just uh, completed that sort of battle. So at the same time, I'm only four years, not even, only three and a half years in on my business in Standish. And what I'm really proud of is the team really pulling together for six months when I was really out of the office, that they kept everything going because of the office culture, because of all the things in place. So not only am I proud of being a breast cancer survivor and trying to share my message about early detection, but my business month over month growth in that turmoil. And during that time that I've had going through the challenges of the breast cancer, I've really been able to articulate my 110 philosophy. And as of a month ago, the 110 philosophy has just been trademarked. Uh, so that's super, super exciting for me to have an opportunity to really share how do I make lemonade out of lemons consistently through my life. So that's what the 110 philosophy is. It's teaching people exactly how you do that. How, what is the recipe to making lemonade? I can't wait to hear more about the, that, Luann. So I'm going to stay tuned. <laughs> but we're good. But for now, we're going to do a quick leadership roundup. So tell us, what is one practice that makes you a better leader? I think keeping it simple. I think in this day and age with so much information coming at people so fast, and every time they turn around, their phones, their iPads, their computers, and change is happening at such a fast pace. It's more critical than any time, I think, in our history, but to keep practices and keep things as simple as possible. Building things in as business as usual to your daily life and into your business so things just happen. Don't try to create extra practices or processes or systems if you can build it already into a process that you have in place. So by keeping your message simple, keep your vision simple, keeping, you know, try to simplify your life, I think, I think that's key to my success. Mm. And what is one book that you would recommend to a woman to help her develop her leadership? Well, it goes back to understanding who you are and what your strengths are. And you mentioned it uh, a little bit ago about how important it is to focus on your strengths. And so the book is called Strength Finders. 2.0. It's by Tom Rath. What's important to understand, you cannot buy the book used because it's really not a book. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. a, it's really a, a self-assessment that's set up and designed by a book. And the, each book has at the end of it its unique code. So you take this self-assessment online. And again, I've been uh, vice president for a long, long time. And in corporate, you have so many different leadership assessment tools that they provide you. It's almost overwhelming how much feedback you get about your leadership style. This is one book that I received about now, probably about eight years ago. And I so wish I would have done and read and taken this assessment, you know, when I was first starting out as a leader because it really does focus on your strengths. You have to be aware of your weaknesses and have band-aids or hire people to your weakness, 
but capitalize mm-hmm. off your strength. And that's what the book is all about. Yes. I've read the book and taken the assessment. Love it. Endorse it. 100%. And Luann, knowing what you know now, if given a chance to go back and do anything differently, what would you change? Well, I've been asked this question, fortunately, by um, a friend of mine about 10 years ago. And I think it's a great question. And I think the same answer holds true today. I think the key that's so different in my own being is my self-confidence and that self-confidence over the years that has developed. So if I had the same self-confidence I did today, starting out, I would actually be a doctor and most likely I'd probably be a surgeon. And so the learning from that is the best thing I can do for my own children is really instill that confidence and instill confidence in all those people that I touch. So my, in all of my organizations and all my teams to really develop people's confidence. And that goes back to the strength finders books because you need to be confident in who you are. And that strength finder book will help you highlight what you're so good at. Mm. And, you know, let me know if you agree with this or not, Luann. What, one thing that is kind of surfacing for me after doing, you know, I, I think you're probably my 35th interview, um, is that a lot of times confidence comes from accepting that it doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. You don't have to be a shining star the first time you try something or you, you know, it's okay to put yourself out there and fail. You know, just pick yourself back up and try it again. Like, I think sometimes, um, especially for women, they hold themselves back. They lack confidence because they have this belief that the first time they do it, it needs to be perfect. It needs to be right. Uh, And so they shy away from situations where it's new or different or scary or they're not really sure that they'll be able to succeed. And, and that's too bad. Cause I think you're right. I think if, um, we were more willing to take some risks and look a little foolish, right. And make some mistakes that we would get a lot further faster and be doing the things we know we were meant to be doing and that we would love doing. The secret is the true power is really learning from your failures. Look at what I learned from my parents' failure. Look at so always dissecting what you did wrong or could have done better, learn from it, dissect it, pull it apart, figure it out, and just don't do it again and apply it and then share your learning. I'm so a believer in, you know, paying paying it forward. Share with other people what you've learned. And that's the whole purpose of, you know, sharing this message, spending the time with you today, just to help if I could just help one person you know, get better. That's what it's all about. And it does go back to a quote that I have framed above my, in my office that I've now had 20 years. It's gotten bigger over the years and and nicely framed, but it's believe and succeed, believe in yourself and you will succeed. It's, you know, we bog ourselves down so much with sort of the six inches between our two years, you know, and it is about controlling those negative thoughts in our heads to be forward thinking, have a vision of where you want to go and make it happen. And if you make a mistake, learn from it, dissect it and move on. Do not dwell on it. So many people, they they dwell on it and they don't let it go. You have to let it go because we're human. We make mistakes. Mm, Amen. 
And was that the quote you were going to share with us? Or or do you have another one? (laughs) (laughs) That's it. I love it. Believe in yourself and you will succeed. And you know, I wanted to add to that, Luann, is that part of it is making our mistakes so public. But the funny thing is, is when you get better at things and you ultimately succeed, people forget how bad you were at first, right? Their memories are not that long. You know, it's hard to remember unless there's like a video or something and we can go back and look to see where we were when we started. Like people forget they ultimately, like, cause I'm sure you've had this experience too, where people have a hard time believing you weren't always this confident. So true. Oh, can I share one more story? Sure. Okay. It is in reference to, you know, um, like you said, thinking that, you know, when you see someone successful, you think they were always that way. Okay. As an executive, you have to learn how to speak in front of hundreds of people. Now, going back to my college again, remember, I didn't have a lot of confidence in my smarts and my ability. And I took a college course, professional speaking. It was a class of 30. I'll try to be quick. uh, It was a class of 35 students. I was the only student who could not sit in front of the class to give their speech. I had to actually physically sit at my seat to give my speech. And so by the end of the class, I was able to go to the podium and stand behind the podium and give my speech. But my, I mean, you could see the stress. My lip would physically quiver. People were so uncomfortable by me giving my presentation. (laughs) So how I overcame that when I went into corporate was exactly what you said. When uh, I, so I, I received the supervisor position that I was promoted to a manager. And when I started to move from manager to director, I had to overcome this fear. So what I did is I had a small department of like, I don't know, 30, 40 people. And I started videotaping my presentation. And what I learned from that experience, it was a huge aha moment, is you know what? I'm not near as bad as my head is telling me. Because it gave me that objective view. So videotaping yourself is a great way to get your head talk out of the situation and give you an objective perspective of your performance. So again, it's a great example and sort of, you know, we're so tough on ourselves to be perfect, to be to be this, we should be that to have an objective view can really sort of shed light that you know what, we're all pretty awesome just the way we are. And that's what makes us unique. Thank you for sharing that story and and wrapping it up that way. And lastly, what is the best way for our listeners to connect with you? The easiest clearly is, is to go to my website. It's called 110philosophy.com. And is it written out in words or is it 110? Great clarification. It's 110philosophy. And you can find the links and resources shared in this episode at womentakingthelead.com or you can use the short link, which is womentl.com and you can look up Luann in the search tab and her page will come right up. And Luann, thank you so much for taking the time to inspire and enlighten us. We are all better for having met you. Thank you very much for this opportunity. Thank you for joining me on Women Taking the Lead. Were you inspired to take some action today, but maybe don't know where to start? Or maybe you have so many great ideas, you can't decide where to focus your attention. Don't let stress or overwhelm stop you from having the career, the business, or the life you want to live. Head over to womentakingthelead.com forward slash coaching, or use the short link womentl.com forward slash coaching to sign up for a consultation with me. 
And to strengthen you on your leadership journey, I'd like to send you off with a quote from Marianne Williamson, so here goes. Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, who am I to be brilliant, gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Actually, who are you not to be? You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear, our presence automatically liberates others. Again, thank you for joining me, and here's to your success.